0: One of my favorite verses is uh, Jeremiah thirty-three, three, where Jeremiah says, "Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things that you know not." Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things. Um. I believe as. Clark's been going through this series on treasures and earthen vessels, which is awesome. The revelation of the treasures we have in Christ within these earthen vessels. And I thought I'd share some thoughts this morning about the earthen vessel itself and how important it is for us to realize, you know, what God did and how the the body is related to the finished work of Christ. And what does the scripture say? And what do the apostles say about that? Saints, I believe that the most neglected Maybe one one of the most neglected and misunderstood doctrines of the apostles was the teaching the apostles had in all their letters that the power of sin, the power of sin is in the body. The power of sin is in the physical body. In our members, Paul says, in our members. The apostles taught the Apostles taught that we have a new spirit and a new soul. The apostles taught we have a new being on the inside. An old man has died and a new man has been raised from the dead. The apostles taught that the inner man is new and being renewed every day while the body is dying and decaying every day. The apostles did not teach what is commonly taught in the church today, which is this, that our spirit is saved Our soul is being saved and our body will be saved. That is not the apostolic teaching in the New Testament. The New Testament teaches that our spirit and soul have been saved. Spirit and soul are distinguishable, but they are inseparable. Spirit and soul are distinguishable, there is a spirit, there is a soul, but they are inseparable. Much like when you make tea with water, you can't separate the tea from the water. It's, it's one thing, one entity, one person. God didn't raise up just part of us and leave part of the invisible part of us to work on and for us to work on. And it's, very, it's so key because it is, it, it's totally transformed my life to see this because we are not in a civil war. You are not in a war with yourself. You are not battling against yourself. The new you is just that new. And the power that we feel that we all feel because we all have the body, we all have the power of sin in our flesh, the struggle that we all have with sin and temptation and all these things is not you. Paul taught that. It's not you. It's it's not even a person. It's a power it's it's not a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing that God did. He didn't give us the power of the Spirit and just renewed part of our invisible inner selves because soul and spirit, He just didn't join us to His Holy Spirit on the inside. And then from that, on, that point on, we're going to be working on this soul and and trying to perfect it to the point where eventually, you know, you get holy enough and He didn't do that. Think about how God does things. He he doesn't do things halfway like that. Paul says he's a God that raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before. Jesus said this way, he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Total, uh, complete difference. He didn't say that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is now both flesh and spirit. And God's going to work on the, you know, the flesh and, 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 improve, and, and improve the flesh so that you can be more like Christ. No. Um, we're going to take a look at a few scriptures and I, I think it's going to be so cool to see this from the apostles if, if you haven't already seen this because it'll change your life. You may have asked yourself, you know, why do I still do the things I do? I mean, why do I, if I'm a Christian, you know, why do I still, you know, and you've probably doubted maybe whether you're really born again sometimes. And, and then you have these, this bad teaching out there that says you have an evil heart. Jeremiah said that every man comes into this world with an evil heart. But that's Jeremiah before Christ. Ezekiel said that the day is going to come when God's going to wash us with pure water and give us a new heart and a new spirit, which happened in the new covenant. Ezekiel said that God's going to take away the stony dead heart and put a heart of flesh in there, which means living as opposed to stone. That happened through Christ. We look at, we we read Psalm 51 about, you know, David yearning um, for his sins to be blotted out. And we have preachers and teachers teaching the body of Christ, Psalm 51, how to handle sin in your life. Look at David, look at Psalm 51. No, David was yearning for what you have. He was prophetically yearning, oh God, you you desire not the sacrifices of bulls and goats. You desire um, truth in the inward parts. Oh God, take away my sin, blight out my transgressions, create in me a new heart, a new spirit. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, Lord, because they could, that happened in the old covenant. There was no joining to Christ There was no union with Christ because there was no sacrifice given yet. Man could not be joined to God until Christ sacrificed his life on the earth. That's why when they died, they descended to Sheol, awaiting the sacrifice on the earth. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's where the reconciliation took place. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. He did not descend to be punished in hell as some people teach. He descended to Sheol to set the captives free. He told the thief on the cross that day, he says, today you shall be with me in paradise. Today, today, we're descending today. We're going to go down to paradise, which is another word for Abraham's bosom. We're descending today to set them all free. The scripture says he descended into Sheol and and took captivity captive. Revelation says, he says, I have the keys now of Sheol and Hades and of death. The, The redemption took place on the cross. The crucifixion of Christ was the circumcision of Christ, Colossians says, and this is awesome, this is so awesome. Circumcision was the only requirement of the Abrahamic covenant. Circumcision, the only requirement. Genesis 17, chapter 17 says, this is my covenant I'll make with you, Abraham. Circumcise your foreskin and all your your male children. Those who are circumcised are in my covenant. Those who are not circumcised have broken my covenant. Isn't that awesome? The The one requirement of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision. Colossians, Paul writes, says, Christ's death on the tree was the the circumcision of Christ for us. That's why when Abraham was in union with Sarah, women, of course, cannot be circumcised. So when they're in Abraham and Sarah, their union, Abraham's circumcision becomes Sarah's circumcision. The scripture says in Colossians that the circumcision of Christ becomes our circumcision because the bride is now in union with Christ. His death becomes our death. His circumcision is our circumcision because of union with Christ. It's awesome. When He died on the tree, it enabled God to not only atone for our sins, Not only to take away our sins, but enabled God to do this awesome, great, and mighty thing. He's now able to cut away, Colossians says, the body of the flesh, the body. He raised me from the dead. I was dead in my sins and trespasses. I was darkened in my understanding. My mind darkened and alienated from the life of God. And when I believe, simply believe because of the light of the gospel, the light of the word, by thy word, light comes in the word, the revelation of Christ comes. as as it came to me I simply believed and then because of the work of Christ he could literally cut away the inside of me from the outside of me and move the inside of me the real new me into another dimension called the Spirit and now Paul says we are no longer in the flesh but in the Spirit we've been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son yet still in these earthen vessels Treasure in earthen vessels. Christ himself is the, is the essence of the treasure, Christ our life within these earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power manifested in our daily lives is clearly seen to be of God and not of us. Isn't that awesome? So we live completely dependent on another who lives within. We rest in another's righteousness and we live by another's life. We sit with Him in heavenly places. And this is so important because if we think that we have an evil heart as a believer, if we think we have uh, sin in our soul, um, contrary to the scripture, Peter said this, Peter said, you have purified your souls by obedience to the truth in that you have believed in this Jesus and have been redeemed, not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Purified your souls. And James says, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. They're on separate sides of the table. The soul is new. It wars against the soul. Paul says that the power of sin in his members in Romans 7 wars against the law of his mind, that he had, he had the law of God in his mind. As a believer, he tried to live the Christian life by just having the, in his mind the do's and don'ts, the right and wrong. And in his mind he had a desire, and in his inner man he had a desire to do the things of God as a new creation. But he discovered another law or principle in his members, in his body. Romans 7 says, and that every time in his mind he tried to do what was right, he found another principle in his body, in his members, which was more powerful than just his mind to do knowing to what is right and what's wrong. And always that power of sin in his body took him captive every time. And then he said, who shall deliver me from what? from the evil in my soul, from the evil in my heart? No, he said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He said, Paul says, the body is dead because of sin, it's dying, the spirit's alive because of righteousness. The outer man is decaying every day and getting older every day, but the inward man is being renewed every day by a revelation of Christ. And the renewal of the mind doesn't refer to sin at all. The renewal of the mind is the process by which we are come, we're catching up to what is has nothing to do with sin at all. The renewal of the mind is a, is a growing revelation as if the dawning of a new day within. The morning star rising in our heart to see what is. And the reason why it's a process of renewal and takes time to see what is is because we see through a glass darkly because we are still in these bodies working through a brain, which is infected with sin. That's, what, that's the problem. God sees you and I completely righteous, completely perfect. It is not just an imputed righteousness. I love what Clark said about God just doesn't look at us through the veil of Jesus, some filter of Jesus and and say, "Okay, I'll put Jesus in front of you so I can stand you. No, (laughs) we have been created new in him, the scripture says, after his image that we might merely walk in the works that are already within you. Your works are already inside of you. No man can take your works from you. They're inside of you. You've been created in Christ Jesus to do certain works. You have a destiny. It is inside of you and no man and no devil can stop it from happening. What a rest. You have been created in Christ Jesus so that you might merely walk now in who you are. Inside of us. Christ in us. This, this thing about taking away sin is awesome. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, under the Old Covenant, they had the Day of Atonement, you know, and we ha- they had what's called the scapegoat, and they had two goats and one would be slain. And the other one, they would lay hands on the other goat, a picture of putting all the sins of Israel on the scapegoat, and they would take the scapegoat out in the desert, and they would never see that goat again. It was a picture of God saying, I'm gonna remove your sin from you through the death of another. It was a picture of what was coming in Christ. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats, Hebrew says, only covered sin because it looked forward to the work of Christ. God could dwell amid, in the midst of his people because of this covering, because they obeyed the covenant. He could dwell with them, but only behind a thick veil. He couldn't be inside of them. And he only, appe- he only had his spirit fall upon a few prophets and kings. But in this new covenant, they won't be just the king or the prophet prophesying for they all shall prophesy. For my spirit shall fall upon all. The veil will be rent and he who is only behind the veil would come out and be given to all who believed. That's why the the fiery tongues of fire appeared on their head on the day of Pentecost when they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind, a mighty rushing wind when the spirit was given because of the work of Christ. God showed them visibly for a second, the presence that was behind that veil was on every single one of them. The presence, the fiery presence, the Shekinah glory that was behind the veil was now on top of every one of their heads for a second before it went in. He let them see it for a second as it was on top of them glowing and shining and then it went in. And that's why they became like drunk men. And what were they saying out of their mouth when the Spirit filled them? They were saying they were magnifying the mighty works of God. The Spirit testifies to this work. The Spirit testifies to this work. To take away the sin of the world is an awesome, awesome thing. It's a great and mighty thing. It's so awesome. The the very fact that He has moved us from this realm into another realm. We've literally died through the death of Christ. Christ. The only way you can escape law is to die, as the scripture says. Paul says that's how you can escape law. law you, have to, you have to die so that the law has no power over you. You have to leave this planet to get out of law. And that's what we did in Christ. We actually died and were joined to another, even Him who was raised from the dead, Romans 7 says. So now we actually are in another realm in Him, in the Spirit, where there is no law. And where there is no law, Paul says, sin is not imputed. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. See, religion scare, is scared to death of this. Religion is scared to death of the truth. We must trust God. Truth will set us free. Did you come to Jesus so you could send more? I mean, we were doing a pretty good job without coming to Jesus. I mean, we didn't have to come to church to to, to somehow learn how to sin more and get, you know, find excuses to sin more. No. People don't come to God so they can sin more. They come to God because they're sick of sin, they're sick of the flesh, they're sick of the devil, they're sick of the world, they're sick of selfishness, they're sick of that. Eh. They're yearning, they're yearning for God, for love, and God's drawing them. We're so afraid to step out of the boat and walk on water because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. The things of the spirit are not understood by the natural mind, they're revealed. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the mind of man what God has done. But if we will trust him and see what he is saying, it'll change our lives. You're not in a war with yourself. It is not a civil war. It is a foreign power in your body, in your mortal body. God has literally quarantined the power of sin in the body. That's why it will die. And that's why it cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Your body must be transformed. And when he comes, when we see him as he is in the sky, in that he is able to subdue all things unto himself, when his glory is revealed in the sky, our bodies also shall be transformed like unto his in an instant, because he has the power to transform all things to himself. That is the same power that works now in us as we behold him in the spirit. The real you is manifested and and gets out and as we see him in that last day, when he's revealed from the skies, even our bodies will be transformed. Same, same dynamic, God is so consistent. When we were in unbelief and when we were unregenerate, we saw him, we had a revelation of him and his goodness and his love and his finished work and we believed, we simply believed and we were born of him. Then the Christian life is just more seeing of him, a growing awareness of him and seeing him and seeing him. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the apostle says. Seek him, seek things above. And then when he comes again, even the body is going to be transformed by just simply seeing him. It's God's way. To look at God is to be like God. To see the face of God is to be like him. Moses found that out when he just looked at God and his face began to shine. Paul says, That's it, that's how it works. You just simply behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. Don't look at your flesh, don't look at sin in the flesh. Look at Christ, focus on Christ. Set your mind on Him, him. fix your eyes on Him. There's no room in those statements by the apostles to say, okay, fix your eyes on Christ, set your mind on Him, but every now and then, you know, look at the flesh and work on this and work on that. No, they were very purposeful in their words because it's the key because think about this saints we had this analogy the last time we said some some of these things and and remember we talked about the the phone and you have a phone a cell a cell phone that's not working and you're trying to you know work on the cell phone and and you can't fix the cell phone because it's not working so you just get a new phone and you get this awesome new phone with all these apps and it's awesome and and you change service from the old phone to the new phone you got service now in the new phone well religion is is obsessed with working on the old phone obsessed with trying to fix the old phone. God says, forget the old phone. There's not even any service there. There's no connection to God. Forget the old phone, enjoy the new phone. Behold you, behold the new you in in Christ. It's awesome. He made it so awesome, so simple, so, so pure. He took away our sin and separated us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west. He separated us. East and west never touches. We literally have moved to a new place in the spirit. And in Him. If we could, saints, let's look at this just briefly in Romans, please. Romans chapter, let's say Romans chapter 6. Let's want to look at a few verses and... The thing about law, saints, is that law still stimulates sin. Romans 7 says law stimulates sin because the law is not of faith. Anytime we're not living by faith, the power of sin is energized in us. And because we all still have sin in our bodies, in our flesh, we are still going to be tempted at times and sometimes we'll stumble and fall, but that's the problem. I mean, that's the, that's why it's the awesome work of Christ is that there are, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Sin is not even imputed to the believer now as we learn to live by another's life and we walk this out. It's awesome. Let's look at, if you would, let's look at Romans chapter, chapter six. Notice how the apostle connects sin to the body in these words, Romans chapter six. Let's say, let's go chapter six, verse five. Romans chapter six, verse five. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Following this, or knowing this, sorry, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with. Notice our body, our body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died once, died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God forever. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now look at this, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. You see that? He connects sin with the mortal body. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body to to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members, the members of your body, your very body, as instruments of righteousness to God. Okay, take a look at this. Look at Romans 7. Romans 7. Let's look at Romans 7. Let's look at um, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, Romans 7, verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work, where? In the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that in which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. All right, let's take a look at further down in that same chapter. Look at look at verse 15. For that which I'm doing I don't understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is a good thing. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. Look at that close saints Paul is saying, it is no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Then he corrects himself very quickly, that is in my flesh. Because in him, he's a new creation and he has a good heart. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me, which he he previously explained that is in my flesh. Verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. The new creation doesn't have any problem with, you know, doing the right, the right thing. But I see a different law in the members of my body, in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. Notice sin is not in the mind, it is in the body, waging war against the mind. It is not in the mind. And it makes me a prisoner, this power of sin in my body makes me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is where? In my members, in the body. Verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from what? The body of this death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind, am serving the law of God with my mind. But on the other, with the flesh, the law of sin. In other words, I I realized in verse 23 that that doesn't work. I was trying to serve the law of God with my mind, but the law of sin in the flesh and my body was taking me captive every time. So that did not work. So who's gonna set me free? Jesus will, He has. And then verse one of chapter eight, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and of death. What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, this means the righteousness requirement, who do not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That means who actually live their life in the Spirit, who are now born again. Verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And then take a look at this in verse, let's just say verse 11, or or actually, they're so good. Verse nine, let's go to verse nine. However, you are not in the flesh, But in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who indwells you. So then, brothers, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, and that's a reference to those who are not born again, then you're gonna die. But if, you're, if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, notice deeds of the body, the deeds of the body, well, there it is again, then you shall live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Isn't that awesome? It is the most neglected teaching in the New Testament church, I think, today. And it has been for centuries. I mean, it has been a, it is the key to seeing the new creation. If we receive what the apostles are saying about this, there would be an unfolding, I believe an unfolding revelation of the new creation in us like we never, like we never have had before. Because you'll no longer be down on yourself when you sin because you know, that's really not you. And And some people may say, well, isn't that just giving people an excuse to sin? Isn't that just, you know, people are just gonna say the devil made me do it. Isn't, isn't that just going to take responsibility away from people to, to do the right thing? See, in the natural, that's how we think. But God's ways are not our ways. Paul says the love of Christ compels him to walk like Christ. The love of Christ compels us. You see, when we see what God did, when we don't question His wisdom, when we don't question how He did it, and we just say, as Mary said, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word, I believe. What happens, saints, is that there's this growing awareness of your union with Him. Because you're no longer thinking, I'm in the flesh, you no longer think I have an evil heart. You're no longer thinking I've got a, a, an evil mind that needs work. I mean, you cannot hold those two thoughts in your mind at the same time that I have sin in my heart and I'm in union with God. You can't. And God knew that. But if we listen to what he's saying, there'll be an unfolding revelation of the height and the width and the breadth and the depth of the love of God. Something religion cannot teach and man cannot teach. Only the Spirit can reveal the love of God to our inner man. The Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts the love of God, the Scripture says. And it is that great love of God which is the secret to walking like Christ. Releasing His love in us is the secret. Christ Himself simply living His life through us. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He's not working on my soul. He's not working on my spirit. He worked on it in the cross. He said, it is finished. And now he's able to cut away the body of my flesh and leave sin in the body, but raise me from the dead. Me, me, not just half of me. Not just spirit, not the soul. Me, he raised me, a new man. Paul says, a new man, old man, new man born of the flesh at one time, now born of the spirit, a new creation. If any man be in Christ, behold, all things have become new, spirit, soul, all things. Behold, you have the mind of Christ. There is no sin in your mind. Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says, we have been given a sound mind. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, we have now, we have now, we have now, we have now the mind of Christ. We have a new mind, Paul says to the Ephesians, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That mind is pure and good and powerful. It is the mind of Christ. He's raised us up new in Him. You have a new nature. You don't have two natures. You've been made a partaker of the divine nature. You don't have an evil nature and a good nature. If you did, you had two fathers. Nature speaks of origins. And when you don't have, we don't have two fathers. We've been made a partaker of the divine nature. The power of sin is not your nature. That's why I do not like the New International Version Bible. I do not recommend the New International Version Bible. Romans seven, those translators have changed the Greek word flesh and put in the word sinful nature. A direct contradiction to the original Greek text. It is not, it is very wrong. It's bad teaching, and yet it is in the New International Version. That is the big Bible that all the bookstores and, pro- and, pro- and production companies promote. That's where you see on television. That's the big promotions in the bookstores. The NIV, NIV, NIV. No! It's clearly in the... the I believe the best translation is the one Clark and I use. It's the, the New American Standard Bible New American Standard there's other good ones too out there but it translates flesh flesh the word is sarx in the greek s a r x sarks it's not sinful nature and the in the, the bibles that get it right they translate it flesh that's what it is flesh we don't have two natures we have one nature we've been made a partaker of the divine nature because the old man has died and the new man has been raised from the dead new in him great and mighty things. I think about how he suffered. Think about how he suffered on the tree. And I was thinking about that circumcision of Christ, his death, would become my circumcision. It would not only atone for all my sin, past, present, and future, but that great mystery would allow him to cut me away from my body. Notice where God cut. He did not cut between spirit and soul. If it's true that we're only, the spirit's only saved and the soul is being saved and the body will be saved, which I do believe the body will be redeemed. That's, I believe that part and I believe the first part, but I also believe the soul is saved. But if it was true that the soul is being worked on still, he would have cut between spirit and soul. Because his presence cannot dwell in the presence of sin. He cut between the body and the invisible you. And he joined himself to you, spirit and soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, Jesus said. You shall find rest for your souls. Rest. The mind is just being renewed to the reality of what is. That's why saints, the moment you leave the body, Paul says, the moment you leave the body, we see through a glass darkly now because we're working through these brains. But the moment you and I leave the body, we shall know all things instantly, even as we are known by God. Well, what changed? We left the body. I mean, this, this is awesome. This is so awesome. I mean, to, to let this, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. He said to the disciples, let these things go down deep in your ears. I love that. If we ponder these things and the church ponders these things and and you and I are, are speaking these things to other believers and the word is spreading and spreading, people begin to see what the apostles taught about this new creation, about how God quarantined sin in the body and how we don't have two natures and how we're one with him. And it's awesome. I do hear the sound of rain. It's coming. First the word, then the rain. In the book of Acts, it was the word that was went forth first, the finished work of Christ and then the spirit. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. What an awesome reality. Created new in him. Yet still in these bodies. So that we're totally dependent on him to live through our bodies. We just thank you that we thank you that you're revealing great and mighty things to us. Lord, help us to to rest in this reality. You said no, no man after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. No, no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. We set our eyes on you, Lord, We fix our eyes on you. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what God has done, but the Spirit has been given that we might know these things that are freely given to us in Christ. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And He has been given to us that we might know the deep things of God. Turn our eyes, Lord, away from the flesh. Turn our eyes away from looking for sin. When Israel was getting bitten by snakes, you didn't say, look at the snakes, be careful about the snakes, step over the snakes. You said, look up. Behold the bronze serpent on a pole. Behold the judgment of God on Satan himself. Behold, I have done it. And as Moses raised the serpent up in the wilderness, so was the Son of Man lifted up between heaven and earth. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. You are the anchor that goes beyond the veil. beyond the veil.